One thing to me has been pretty clear throughout this 2023 season is that not just this MLB team taking a step up, but we got to take a look at the 2023 MLB draft class because I think it's a legit one. You are Locked On Nationals, your daily Washington Nationals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And I'm your host, Ryan Clary. Make sure to check us out over on YouTube. Search Locked On Nationals and hit that subscriber button as well as we make our push to 800 subscribers. Later on in today's show, we will be previewing the Nationals Orioles series tonight. Just a two-game set up at Camden Yards. And then, obviously, we head down to Atlanta to wrap up the season. But we'll preview that game tonight as Josiah Gray takes on Kyle Bradish in what should be a stellar pitching matchup. Also, let's kind of take a look because we all know the Orioles have taken a big step up in 2023, really outperforming a lot of people's expectations in a loaded American League East division there. So can the Nationals take a step up similar to what the Orioles will? Not meaning they're going to be the second best team in baseball next year, but they can they take that next step, and will they take that next step? We'll attack that a little bit later on. But let's start off with the 2023 MLB draft class because and as we get on into the offseason, we'll have a ton more discussions about this group and really zone in on a few of these guys in particular. Speaking of Dylan Cruz, Yo-Yo Morales, Travis Sakura, someone who I really like, right-handed pitcher out of the high school class, third-round pick in the draft this year, really was a – first round kind of talent who probably could have gone in the first round, but ultimately fell to the Nationals in the third round. They spent a lot of money to get him and to keep him and ultimately signed him there. But let's start off with Dylan Cruz here first. And while Dylan Cruz, if you look at the numbers, the numbers are simply impressive. Batting 292 on the season, a 377 OBP, a 467 slug, which was an 844 OPS in 35 games down in rookie ball. Fredericksburg and then got the bump up to double A where he did struggle a little bit but looking beyond the struggles I think people have to realize this he played 71 games at LSU their season their regular season started back on February 17th I'm not good at math if you guys want to calculate the days dating back to last week he has been playing baseball games nearly every single day since that date I think fatigue is as simple as that when it came to Dylan Cruz struggles. It, it's a long season, and while that's not the 162-game marathon that is the major leagues, those guys get built up for that moment, though. C.J. Abrams, while he's still Dylan Cruz's age, he's 22 years old while Cruz is only 21, but they're built up to play 162 games. Dylan Cruz is still getting in that momentum. He's never played baseball as much as he has over this year. He just simply has not. And it's really different when you talk about competitive baseball, which is what was happening down at LSU. They started the season in mid-February, back when it was still rain, not raining, when it was still snowing here in the local DMV. But outside of that factor, Dylan Cruz was still impressive so far this season. And while his season is over, he didn't get the call up to AAA, in which wasn't probably too surprising considering his struggles down at AA. 
But when you look at what he did in just a small sample size, Dylan Cruz is going to be that blue chip prospect that we all wanted, that we all kind of needed in this system because you still have James Wood, top 10 prospect, a blue chip kind of prospect. You have Robert Hassel still, who did improve over the last month of September, just hasn't really shown it over the course of his career here in D.C. But if you look at beyond all that with Dylan Cruz, there is no faith to be lost in him. This guy is still one of the better prospects in all of baseball, a top five prospect in baseball, and in my opinion, a top two prospect in all of baseball. I don't think he's better than Jackson Holiday at this moment in time, but I still believe in all the tools that Dylan Cruz has. Like we've been saying, this is a five-tool kind of player in my mind. He's got the power. He hit five home runs in those 35 games. He had 29 RBIs. He walked 14 times as well. This guy has good defensive skills as well. I think he's going to be an above-average center fielder. And over the course of his season here, he did kind of prove that. He stuck in center field. He played really well out there. He made a few web gem plays, honestly, down in Fredericksburg and just looked really good. And what the, all the hype about Dylan Cruz was, was putting the ball in play. And while he did strike out a decent amount down in double-A, and as well as even Fredericksburg, a little bit more than what he did in LSU, I'm not concerned about that stuff. You're going to strike out more once you get up to the big leagues. It's going to happen. It's what today's game is about. A lot of strikeouts, a lot more power. But Dylan Cruz, the concerns are not there for him. It's simple as that. And we're going to go a little deeper on Dylan Cruz as this season goes on, really as the offseason pushes. But this is about the 2023 MLB draft class. You had Yo-Yo Morales, Andrew Pinkney, and Travis Sikora. Now, Sikora, the guy who I really like, the third-round pick, 19-year-old out of a Texas high school, really good in my opinion. This is kind of someone who is your lottery type of prospect. He could be really good. Like, I mean, really good really good. A fastball that already touches 100 miles per hour. He's got a 70-grade fastball, according to MLB.com. He's also got a 60-grade splitter, and for a pitch like a splitter to have it be that advanced already as a 19-year-old, I think that kind of molds well for what he could be down the line. Now, he's going to add some more pitches in his arsenal, I'd assume, because right now, he sits at three pitches, but really, those three pitches are all really good. He throws a slider as well, which is a 55 grade, which is right around average. And all of that said, there's a lot of development that's going to be put into Sakura. Sakura never pitched in a competitive game this year. He never got an appearance down in rookie ball. The Nationals, I believe he has thrown down at the complex, down in Florida, West Palm Beach, whatever you want to say. It. But he hasn't pitched in a single game so far this season, and that's not going to happen for Sakura in 2023 but looking ahead in 2024 I would assume that this is going to be someone who will start down in rookie ball get his feet wet and then get shipped up to Fredericksburg after a few starts again just to kind of get his feet wet and get established in the organization and kind of get some eyeballs on him in competitive baseball also Yo-Yo Morales and Andrew Pinkney two other college bats two big power guys and while you look at Yo-Yo Morales in my opinion in the second half of the season, down in the minors, he was the Nationals' most impressive bat by far. He batted 349 on the season, 423 OBP, a 494 slug, and had a 917 OPS. And Yo-Yo Morales was a huge power bat out of the University of Miami. Again, a top 20 prospect in the 2023 MLB draft. A lot of people thought he'd be gone in the early 20s of that first round. 
battled the Nationals in round two, and they snatched him up there with the first pick in that second round. Yo-Yo Morales never hit any home runs down in the minors. Not a single one. Yet this was what was so impressive, is that his slugging was still at a 494. That is a pretty incredible rate for someone who didn't have any long balls down in the minors. And again, he had over 20 at the University of Miami. This is a legit power bat. Someone who also plays third base and has been really good at the hot corner. As I've said, when I went down to see Dylan Cruz's debut in Fredericksburg, Yo-Yo Morales, he was the one who impressed the most. Not only did he get multiple hits, but he had two web gem plays, a backhanded ball that he threw across his body over to first base, and then another really smooth double play. That is the kind of production we could be getting out of Morales. And then Andrew Pinkney, a middle-round pick at a University of Alabama. Again, another big power bat in which the Nationals kind of went in a little early on, but since he got into the minors, he's been playing really good baseball. He batted 320, a 415 OBP, and a 457 slug, which was an 872 OPS. He was one killing the baseball at Fredericksburg, got shipped up to high A, and then ever since then, got up to double A, four home runs, 20 RBIs, 19 walks, 38 strikeouts, and 41 games for Pinkney. So all those four guys, they're the four guys who I'm really looking at, the guys who have the potential to take that next step and take that next leap out of this draft class. Those are the four guys that I really, really like out of this draft class. Obviously, Cruz and Morales are the obvious ones there. Sakura is another real obvious one. And Pinckney is kind of someone who, as soon as he got down a rookie ball, as soon as he got up to Fredericksburg, he just hit the crap out of the baseball, and it was hard not to recognize him. But the moral of this story is that I'm really starting to believe, and maybe you can call me a sucker, and that's fine. I'm really starting to believe that this is the draft class that could really get the Nationals churning. And what I mean by that, they need depth. This organization down on the farm, it's very top-heavy. It just is. And it's going to get better as time goes on, as we continue to bulk up in the draft, and hopefully as we continue to hit on first-round picks. Because we all know that's been the issue with this Nationals team for quite some time now. We're not the Cleveland Guardians when it comes to drafting guys. Every time in the first round, it seems like they draft the next superstar. It's just what they do. It's not what we do, though. So going forward... I think this could be the draft class that changes it. Again, I'm willing to bet Dylan Cruz is going to be a star, if not a superstar. I think Yo-Yo Morales will be a very good bat up in the major leagues. How good? We'll just have to see. And I think Travis Sikora has a potential to be a really good starting pitcher down the line as well. But he's got a lot to work through. He's 19 years old. But the thing is, there's a lot of promise in which you don't really can you can't really say that in years past with draft class like Brady House. It really started then when there was a lot of promise with Brady House. He was supposed to go in the top 10. He fell to us at number 11, and we snagged him. And ever since then, he's looked really good. But really, ever since then, there's not really that much to look forward to as far as depth goes in MLB drafts. We just haven't gotten that lucky with it. We just simply have not. Is it Mike Rizzo? Is it the way we scout? Who really knows? But this draft class in the early results, they have showed us so much. It's just they have. And you can't really look past that without seeing the really high numbers that all these guys are putting up. And when you're considering that Dylan Cruz put up probably the worst, quote-unquote, numbers of all those three guys who've already started, that's a really good sign in my opinion. 
a very good sign because I'm not concerned about Dylan Cruz whatsoever. I don't care about the struggles at double A. I don't care about it. He's going to start there probably this coming spring. He'll probably hit 400 in the first two weeks and then get shipped up to Rochester. That's probably what will happen, and that's probably what should happen as well. But when you're looking beyond this, this draft class could be a different maker, difference maker for this organization. It could give them the depth and everything that you really need to take that next step into 2024. And speaking of taking that next step, are the Nationals ready? to take that step in 2024, similar to what the Orioles did from last year going into this year? I'll answer that question. But before we do that, let me tell you guys about our friend over at LinkedIn Sales. And are you struggling to close deals? Cold outreach is wasting the time of both the buyer and seller at every stage, especially when sellers are using shallow and outdated data. Your organization can overcome these challenges with technology that translates comprehensive high-quality buyer data into real-time insights. These deeper insights empower sales reps and teams to adopt the habits of top performers, which leads to better outcomes like more pipeline, higher win rates, and larger deals. We call this deep sales, and we built the first deep sales platform with the next generation of LinkedIn Sales Navigator. Right now, you can try LinkedIn Sales Navigator and get a 60-day free trial at linkedin.com slash locked on. That is linkedin.com slash locked on for a 60-day free trial. Let LinkedIn Sales Navigator help you sell like a superstar today. Just go to linkedin.com slash locked on and get started. Thank you for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day. And the question we have pro... We have proposed here for today as the Nationals get ready to take on the Baltimore Orioles, which they play tonight at 6.35 Eastern time up in Baltimore as Josiah Gray and Kyle Bradish get set to have that pitching duel. Catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. And the question that we have posed for today is, are the Nationals ready to make a jump in 2024, similar to what the Orioles did this year. And now, before we really answer that question, I'm not expecting a jump like the Orioles had this year. I'm not expecting that because the Orioles, they were a really good team in the second half of last year. And while the Nationals, they were a solid team in the second half, but the wheels kind of fell off as of recent, as the opponents got a little tougher, as you're continuing to play the Orioles tonight, the Braves last series, and you play the Braves again, you played the Dodgers as well. You're playing some really good baseball teams just all the time was what it feels like. But are they ready to take a jump? And I think it's a complex question because I do think the Nationals will take that jump in 2024. Now, the question is how big of a jump? That's kind of what I look at this as. The Nationals are going to improve. They're Right now, they're one win away from winning 70 games in which they only won, what, 55 games in 2022? I think the Nationals, they can get to that 500 mark. Now, if you think in 2021 when the Orioles were, again, a really bad team, the Nationals are a lot better than what the Orioles were in 2021. Heading into 2024, though, for this Nationals team, I think they can get around that 81 win mark. Now, here's the thing, though. You also have to spend. There's a lot of different things that will have to happen for this organization. Because the Orioles, they didn't just do this jump out of nowhere. While, yes, the main reason as to why this Orioles team took the jump 
was from their loaded prospects. You have Gunnar Henderson establishing himself as an everyday big league player. You have uh, name all the prospects. Adley Rutschman developing himself. Grayson Rodriguez has pitched really well in the second half of the season. All those different prospects and everything that they have done. That is kind of the, the formula, what this Nationals team could be looking at going forward. But it's also beyond that stuff. Because the Orioles have just simply improved. Their numbers have been a lot better so far this season. And when looking at it now, you guys know how much I love slugging percentage. If you're out there, you know I want to see power. It's the way of the game nowadays. The Orioles had a 390 slug in 2022. Heading into this year now, as of right now, September 26, they have a 426 slugging. That is up from 36 points from just last year. And also, their team OPS is up from a 695 in 2022 and a 749 in 2023. They signed Kyle Gibson as well. And while some people may say, Kyle Gibson, what kind of difference has that made? He hasn't really pitched all that well. And you're right. But still, he's going to be a rotation kind of arm who can pitch in the postseason and who has that experience that you want. I listened to the manager hide the other day and during a press conference, and he just raved about Kyle Gibson and kind of the leadership role that he has within this clubhouse. Cause you have a lot of young guys that you need to kind of show the reins to. They are, they don't really know how to win up in the bigs. They've never done it before. This Orioles team, they don't really have many veteran players that have one, but when you sign someone like a Kyle Gibson, similar to the way the Nationals signed Trevor Williams this last year, except Kyle Gibson is simply just better than Trevor Williams. That's kind of what the Nationals need heading into this offseason. But also, they've done things like claiming guys off waivers. Jorge Lopez, an all-star for them last year. Someone who was really good, who was claimed off them yet again this year for the Miami Marlins. Those are the kind of moves that the Nationals will have to make to take that step up in which you can expect them to have that leap in 2023 also something that i've noticed their defense is really good this season taking a huge step up honestly something that before this season if you were to ask me i don't really care all too much about the defense but as we've seen this year it's helped the starting pitching tremendously it's helped the bullpen tremendously when talking about the nationals and when you talk about the orioles they probably have one of the better if not the best bullpens in all of baseball this year but what they have done defensively is really just cleaned up their entire act. They've they've had 66 errors in 2023. That is the third least amount of errors in the American League. They had 91 in 2022, which was the sixth most, most in the American League. You see all that difference makers already. They cut down on the errors. They're playing much more solid defensively. You've claimed guys and they have hit. Hunter Harvey, similar to what the Nationals, they've done that as well with him. That is starting to hit for us. He's been really good. We've tightened up the defense. The slugging has been a little bit better than last year, but in the OPS as well. But even then, there was only one way to go. I mean, the Nationals really only had one way to go, and that was up. Because that just was not good enough in 2022. Joey Manessis was the guy in the second half of the season. God bless Joey, Joey Manessis. I love the guy. I think he's a good DH. But that can't happen. It just can't. So when you're talking about taking that next step, there's a lot of different things that are going to have to happen. But to answer the question, I think the Nationals can take that step. It's just not going to come in with 95 to 96 wins in 2024. I think it's going to come in different ways. I think you're going to see a lot of different things like Mackenzie Gore. 
I think that's going to be a huge step up for us in 2023 as this season's over already when it comes to blisters, which has just killed them all season long. It sucks. But I think with Gore, I think you're going to look at him, and I think he's going to be the guy to really kind of hone in and take his craft to a whole nother level. I think Josiah Gray could do the same as well. And I think there's a couple of different pieces like CJ Abrams. If he can build off from what he's done in the second half of this season, that's another huge plus. If Luis Garcia can finally find his footing and stay up in the big leagues and be that everyday second baseman, I think that'll be good as well. Depending on what the Nationals do over at first base with Dominic Smith and as well as third base with Carter Keyboom or whoever they have out there, that'll be an interesting one as well. You got James Wood. You had Dylan Cruz. Both those guys should be up in the major leagues come next August. Then, other than that, you'll just have to see how the other things play out because we all know which is kind of the cloud hanging over us right now. Will we spend in free agency? Because we have a lot of holes to fill. We just simply do. Will the Nationals maybe spend on a J-Mare Candelario again? Will they go a multi-year deal for someone to play over at third base? Will they spend on a first baseman? Will they get another starting pitcher, in which I think they really need in order to take a big step up, in order to try to compete for the postseason? Because I just don't think we have the horses to really do that and make a run in October and really make a run just for October at this moment in time. You can't have Patrick Corbin and Trevor Williams out there who have a 5-plus ERA. It's just not going to work out that way. Simple as that. So the Nationals, to answer all that, they have a chance. But there's also stuff that are just simply out of our control of developing guys. It's as simple as that. You cannot develop the guys the way that the Orioles have in just one year. That has been years and years and years of just sucking for them. We're not going to be that way. We're just simply not that bad, which is a good problem to have, in my opinion, especially nowadays. But if this was pre-2022 when you can tank and lose every game, I would have been rooting for the Nationals to lose since April 1st. Sorry. That's just the way I've always thought. But nowadays, it ain't worth it. You can't get in the top 10. It's an anti-tanking league now, which is, I think, will overall be good for baseball. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. The Nationals play the Orioles tonight at 6.35 Eastern time. Catch every pitch in the Nationals hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there. And before we get into previewing tonight's game, which I think could be a fantastic one on our hands because you got Kyle Bradish going up against Josiah Gray. That'll be an elite pitching matchup. But before we get into that and really preview tonight's game, let's talk about our friends over at Jace Medical. And guys, Modern medical care and treatment are important, but our global supply chains are fragile. Things like pandemics, natural disasters, and foreign travel may cut you off from the treatment you need. Jace Medical is your solution. Just fill out their online form, and one of Jace Medical's board-certified physicians will review it to determine whether medications are safe and appropriate. Then Jace will send your prescriptions to one of their partner pharmacies 
or your order will be filled and mailed directly to your home. You can also send your physician a message for answers to treatment-related questions any time. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. Save more than $360 by getting these life-saving antibiotics with Jace Medical plus an additional $20 off by using my code Locked on at checkout on jacemedical.com. That's J A S E medical.com. And thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen every single day as we are free and available wherever you get your podcast. And of course, the Nationals are playing the Orioles tonight at 6:35. Make sure to catch every pitch of the Nats hometown broadcast with Sirius XM on the SXM app. Just search Nationals there and tonight's matchup is going to be a fun one and I don't know about you guys when we play the Orioles it's not really a rivalry because I'm not gonna lie I actually kind of like the Orioles I know some people in town really more so the Orioles hate the Nationals and for whatever reason they just do and I know everyone's gonna talk about the Masson thing and how they lose money from the Nationals coming to DC but suck it up I'm sorry it's just kind of a a bad thing by Orioles fan, if we're being honest, because I don't think Nationals fans hate the Orioles at all. They hate us for some reason. A lot of those fans left for the Nationals when they moved here because we all know there was a ton of Orioles fans here in the DMV. I'm sure if you're a younger guy like myself or younger gal, you probably have your parents who grew up as Orioles fans if you were from this area. Ever since then, they moved over to the Nationals. And maybe if you're an older listener, you probably grew up an Orioles fan as well but then made the switch over to the, to the Nationals. And I think we're pretty lucky we did because our organization, while we do have our flaws, we ain't the Angelos. We are not them. and We will never be them. I can tell you that right now. But tonight's going to be a really good, really good matchup in my opinion because Kyle Bradish, in my opinion, outside of Grayson Rodriguez, which we face tomorrow night, by the way, this is going to be a very solid matchup because he's been kind of their rock. So far in 2023, he has been their go, their go-to guy again outside of Grayson in the second half of the season. Someone who Grayson Rodriguez was another blue chip kind of prospect who struggled at first, got sent down to AAA, came back up, and ever really since then he's been lights out. You don't want to face him. We'll discuss about that tomorrow. But with Josiah Gray tonight, you can't help but be a little nervous. And the reason why I say that this is a lefty-loaded lineup. You have Heston Kerstad, a very, very good prospect in my mind. Someone who I think is widely underrated as far as just his power goes, his hit tool goes. This was someone who was a second-round pick that I believe back in 2021, and it kind of came at a surprise to a ton of people that he was at second overall there. The, the Orioles, they did what they did. They cut a deal with him at number two overall, and he had some struggles last year early on but really stepped it up, and in this year, he's completely broken out. He's been one of the better hitters in all of minor leagues, in my opinion, in 2023. Got the call up this year, and you already see it. The kid's got power. His first hit in the majors was a 420-foot bomb out to right field. Looking at that matchup tonight for Gray, then you have Adley Rutschman as well from the left side of the plate. Yikes. I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. I don't know how to feel about this Orioles kind of mashing team that just hits bombs all the time. Anthony Santander as well, another left-handed bat, someone who could kind of take advantage of this young Nationals pitching staff 
and really turn this game upside down. But I also look on the flip side and say, well, maybe the Nationals have always kind of done well in the Orioles and Camden Yards, and they've always kind of played competitively against them. But for some reason, when you come down to D.C., we're just kind of a turtle back in our shell in a little bit. But when we go to Camden Yards, for some reason, the Nationals have just always played better. And that's maybe just kind of what I think in my head. But I just feel like the Nationals have always played competitively down at Camden Yards. Now, I remember back in 2019 when I was there and I saw Juan Soto. I, that's my always thing. I always go to Camden Yards to see the Nationals play at least one time per year. Unfortunately, I probably won't be able to make it up this year. But that's a me problem, not a you guys problem. Juan Soto hit that ball. 400,000 feet, whatever you want to say, to right field. And man, that is a good feeling because there is kind of this crosstown rivalry, you could say, which the Orioles and the Nationals, it's like a friendly banter, you could say. I don't know what it is, but if you've been to these games, you kind of know what I'm talking about. The crowds are usually split about 60-40 leaning towards the home team. A lot of good away fans show up, especially Nationals fans when you go up to Camden, but really the Orioles fans show out when they're in D.C. because, again, they've already had their seed spread across the area for decades now. There's a ton of Orioles fans still in the DMV that'll continue to stay that way. But also the Nationals fans, they make their way up to Nash- to Camden Yards, rather. I just get excited. I get amped up for this game. And I think later half in this September, it's going to be a little chilly night tonight in Baltimore. But when you look at this game, I think it's going to be a really good one. It's just exciting to see a competitive Orioles team getting ready, ramping up for the postseason. And we all know the American League East is also kind of on the line this series. And Orioles, they got to start winning in order to lock up the AL East and maybe get a guy or two to rest up before that postseason because they got a long postseason coming. And you don't really want to play in the wild card. You'd prefer to be in the NLDS to start. So, It'll be a fun series, but we'll just see if the Nationals can do what they do going forward. Thank you guys for making Locked On Nationals your first listen. Tomorrow, we'll preview Grayson Rodriguez, which I'm not excited for, the pitch against us, and as well as we'll talk about tonight's game. And hopefully, just hopefully, the Nationals can get a win in tonight's action. So, of course, we'll watch tonight's game, which you guys can listen to on SiriusXM. Just search Nationals there. But, of course, I'll catch you on the flip side.